Welcome to Gospel and Grit. We invite you to the front lines of the gospel where our Overland missionaries are pioneering to remote peoples. Our goal is to empower you to grab the gospel and get the grit to do whatever it takes to fulfill your calling in Christ. Welcome back to Gospel and Grit. Uh, JJ here, joined today by Nate. Nate, I gotta admit, one of my earliest memories of you is actually one of a hatred and disdain. Oh, fun. Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> in my AMT, we took our final expedition to Moomba, to your sector. Okay. And you gave us the worst road I've ever seen in Zambia. <laughs> <laughs> it was yeah, so you, ra- you had to drive it once. I had to drive that for five years. So <laughs> I'm pretty sure you did it on a dirt bike and we did it in a 10-ton off-road vehicle. Oh, yeah. And you guys took the, the back road and I didn't realize that the trees were too tall for right. the so daft truck. I spent a good many hours <laughs> on the floor of Maverick uh, avoiding three-inch thorns mm-hmm. at my head. Yeah. Yeah. Did but, you guys take the same way back as well? No, we took the almost paved road back. Okay. And that was it was brilliant, wasn't it? Yeah, it, it was amazing. And then everyone hated me even more right, when yeah. they saw the, the other road. So, I mean, I'm just telling you now, I, I forgive you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> you know, after that, I now look up when I'm looking at roads that the daft truck oh, should yeah. take. So, yeah. that's... See, we, li- we learned we learn. some of these lessons. Yeah. Speaking of lessons learned, Nate, you, uh, you have quite the journey in Overland. How long have you been with us? Um... I did AMT, I was just trying to think, I did AMT in 2010, mm. and I think I joined staff in like 2012 or 2013. Yeah. Had a long fundraising period, that was super fun, um, <laughs> but it was it was really good. Um, yeah. Yeah. And your first assignment was sector manager. Yeah. <laughs> so, I was uh, supposed to be a sector missionary for two years, mm-hmm. and then a year into my commitment as sector missionary, uh, the sector manager left. Mm-hmm. And then I came back to the base and the sector manager was gone. And I was like, Jake, what now? He's like, you're it. I was like, <laughs> I didn't sign up for that. Like, this is not what I, I did not sign up for a five-year commitment to this chiefdom. But um, yeah, that's that's what happened is became the sector manager. And um, mm-hmm. it was an interesting journey, interesting learning curves. I've heard a lot of Interesting stories about the the base that you created out there and the the culture of the base. <laughs> oh man, yeah. So I think at that point we weren't even talking about bases. I mean, yeah. like it's it's really interesting to see how Overland has changed from people fundraising for dirt bikes to fundraising for uh, surfs to fundraising for Hiluxes to fundraising for Land Cruisers. Like it's it's really funny to see how the vision has grown and now mm-hmm. like people are. Their first year in AMT, going back and fundraising for launching an entire base. Right. At that point, it was just outposts. Mm-hmm. So it was literally like, hey, like pick a place to camp out. I mean, I think the first first little while I had a first few months, I had a tent with no floor, and so like I literally like would <laughs> I would get out of bed and I would put my feet down and it was just sand. Yeah. Um, and then. It was, I finally like put a tarp down. I was like, you know, waking up every morning and putting my feet in sand does not sound great. And then I put a tarp down Mm -hmm. and then eventually like built a little like thing out of off cuts from the sawmill. Um, But it like some, some people would come out there and be like, like, I don't know how Zambians live, would live like this. And you're out here living like this. Like, like people felt bad for Kebby. 
Like, Kevin, I'm so sorry. <laughs> your, your Zambian co-minister. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, have a steady diet of buttered noodles and sausage. Um, <laughs> good, good stuff. Yeah. Uh, lunch was like an apple or whatever I could find in the center console. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm pretty sure there was a, uh, one of our Zambian political leaders told Phil to to bring you back and shower you at one point. <laughs> no. Okay. So this is what happened. He actually, so in, in Momba, there's a lot of, um, I don't know how else, there, there's a lot of poaching. I don't know what, like, like, <laughs> yeah, no call better, it what it is. No there's not that, a better yeah. word. Yeah. I, and like, I wasn't always aware of it. Like, I didn't know that that's what they were going to do. Like the one time we were just going to cut down some trees for, or like chop down some trees for poles for the hut they built me. Mm. And the next thing I know, we're chasing animals. And there's guys, like, they pile in the tr- in, in the chief's truck, because I had a, a, a dirt bike. The guys pile in the, the sun to the chief's truck with guns. And then the next thing I know, we're in the bush, and they're they're shooting animals. And I, like, had no idea what, <laughs> what was going. I would just, like, ask for help bringing these poles back to my house anyways i don't know if i'm supposed to be saying these things on a, a podcast but uh, <laughs> so yeah so they like um he was concerned because there's a lot of poaching and and stuff and um i think i had spilled like something had spilled like some blood had spilled in the back of my truck mm. and then it had spoiled and i right. needed to wash out the truck so pastor moffat spell smelled the truck before i washed it and he thought i was getting involved in like illegal poaching because he just he knows the smell of like Mm. like dead animals right he's very well trained in that yeah Yeah. so he thought i had been getting involved in the poaching stuff for Mm -hmm. the game meat whole thing so he had told phil like look i smelled in his vehicle there's something (laughs) off there and you need to call call him back because if he's getting involved with that he's gonna get arrested right right whatever yeah he's a good man Yeah. yeah so that was, that was it wasn't just because you weren't showering. No, it wasn't because of that. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> See, yeah. these stories, they just grow sometimes. They do. Yeah. Awesome. So you launched your first sector, Kebby, all along with you along the way. Yeah. How um, was that, man? Um so it was it was interesting because I didn't know at all what I was doing. Mm. And I don't think I I had a lot of time under a, another sector manager to really like learn and get discipled and as as is the tendency in overland missions they kind of throw you in the deep end. Um and so working with Kebby initially it was a little um discouraging because mm-hmm. when I asked him what is his favorite thing to do like what does he want to if he could do anything in the world what do you want to do he was like a truck driver it's like, okay, like that's your aspirations is to be a truck driver. He's like, yeah, mm. I just want to drive trucks. And like every few weeks I would ask them this. I'm like, man, my main disciple, he doesn't want to be a, a missionary or a pastor or anything. He wants to be a truck driver. Yeah. But, and and this might kind of delve into like discipleship mm. a little bit. But the thing I realized is, or the thing I found out later is that a lot of times in the West, we ask um, very introspective questions. Mm. But I think for most people in third world countries, they're in survival mode. Yeah. So when you ask them, they're thinking about where their next meal is coming from. They're not thinking about what is my purpose yeah, in life. Yeah, no existential reality. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so when I asked Kebby, what does he want to be do with the rest of his life? He said, I want to be a truck driver because truck drivers can put food on the table because they mm. make good money. Yeah. And the idea of driving a vehicle sounded cool. Right. Um, yeah. 
and then to see how like the Holy Spirit just really got a hold of him and he got a passion for the ministry. And you know, it's funny looking back at it. If you ask me what I did to get him there, I can't give you mm. an answer. I can't give you a formula. The Holy Spirit just yeah. got a hold of him. Yeah, and then the last two to three years we were there, he's like, I won't ever do anything else. You can't get me to do something else. If you tried to pay me to be a truck driver now, this is my life, the gospel. Like, and, and just to see the heart shift that, and it's kind of a cool thing to look at it and say, I had nothing yeah. to do with it. Um, yeah, that was that was the kind of the journey with Kebby. For the first year, I actually like would go to Jake. I'm like, Jake, are you sure this is the guy? Are you sure this is the disciple for me? I kind of want to get rid of him, but I don't have a re- <laughs> I don't have a reason to. But yeah. now you look at like where he is. He's like one of he's just phenomenal. Yeah, that's great. It's, he is he is awesome. He's now the head of the whole sector. Yeah, so now he is the the sector manager for that awesome. area, and he's crushing it. He's got his own disciple, Alex. That's crushing it as well. I mean, it was cool. He actually um, got saved on an expedition that we had. And um, Pete uh, prayed for him to get delivered from alcohol, and he never touched it again. Praise God. And um, became one of our most, like, key disciples in Mm. in the area. I love it, man. Yeah. I love how you always dive into the culture. Hmm. Like you go live and, and be with them, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and like you have so many revelations about the mindset of the people you're ministering to because you're willing to like kind of break that barrier that that boundary down a little bit, hmm. you know, and really be with them. Yeah, I, I think it was cool when um, when I was early in the sector. Hmm. Um, it was before we would, uh, it, it, we like we had to. I think you like hear things that happen in in Overland and you kind of just are like, oh, okay, like we don't do that, we do this. But um, at the time, we didn't stay in places over rainy season, especially Mm. in Zambia. Like everyone kind of left at rainy season and there wasn't a lot of ministry that happened. And Rowan, um, who used to teach the solo course, um, really awesome guy, he – he, I told him I couldn't go, I couldn't stay over rainy season because I can't do ministry because it rains too much. He was like, why not? Like, oh, because vehicles can't get out there. Yeah. He's like, oh, well, why can't you do ministry? And I was like, well, because I can't get out there because of vehicles. And he's like, how do you know? Do other vehicles go out there? It's like, I don't know. So, I went and asked. And sure enough, it's sandy. So, the, ra- it, the rain actually doesn't affect it as much. So, you can mm. go out and do ministry. And so, I ended up staying out that rainy season. And he just really challenged a lot of my views and um, getting to like – it was really awesome as well getting to like live there for six months. And man, it was – it was tough at times because it was Shima. Yeah. That's why, like, don't – if you have a problem eating Shima, I'm probably not the person to talk to about it. Because <laughs> for, like, three months, yeah. it was breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Mm-hmm. Well, like, Or we would have, like, um, Shima porridge or sometimes yeah. buns Just, Which is, nothing. like, the staple of a Zambian's diet. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, thanks. The, like, a mealy meal type It's like thing. dry grits. Dry grit. It's like a Play-Doh-y grits. If yeah. you kept cooking grits until it was grits Play-Doh. Grits Play-Doh. That's a good yeah. way to say it, yeah. But it, it's so bland. Yeah. No um, salt, no flavoring. No salt, no flavoring. So, and the other thing is, I didn't realize this in the rural areas, they'll um, have one relish because they'll get that thing and yeah. then they'll eat it for three days. Mm. So, we would have shima for lunch with beans and then shima for, lu- for dinner with beans. beans. And shima 
the next day with beans and Shima the next day with beans. And then the beans would finish and then it would be Shima with cabbage for three days. Mm. Um, I remember my first time eating a, a plate of ribs after a week of two weeks of Shima. Oh my gosh, it was the most delicious ribs mm. I've ever eaten. And then um, <laughs> the one day we had Shima with Kapenta. And this is where I learned to pray for Kapenta my food. Kapenta is a dried like minnow. Yes, a dried minnow. Then they recook it and it kind of like rehydrates. Yeah. Um, but this was really and I oh that was the other thing is two out of three times when we ate meat it was rotten. Yeah. So like every third time it would be okay. So you just put a lot of ketchup on it. <laughs> um, that's why I liked eating at the uh, Prince Gabriel's house because he always had ketchup. And so the other guys didn't have ketchup, so I would always try to eat meat at his house. Mm. Um, but then we had this capenta one time, and the moment I put it in my mouth, I could taste like imagine what the taste of like red tide would taste like mm. if you live in Florida. Um, and I w- it was just so bad. And that night, I just got rid of it all, <laughs> and so. The next morning, the next day, because, you know, we eat the same thing multiple right. times. Um, the next day, I went to have lunch there at the same place. And I was like, oh, shoot, what if we have that capenta again? Like, we won't have capenta. It'll be fine. I get there, same exact capenta from the night before. So, I just like prayed, dear Jesus, please help me keep this down. Ate a little bit less and I was fine. So, um, pray for your food when it's when it's rotten. I <laughs> guess it's the yeah. yeah, yeah I guess consecrated it's the key. to the Lord. Yeah, he healed the capenta. Yeah, but at the sorry at the end of all of it, like the chief said to me, we've never when you said you were going to stay with us during this time, we were all so afraid. What are we going to feed him? What are we going to give him? Mm. But now we can see that you're one of us. You ate everything mm. we gave you, and from then on, like. I was just like known in that whole area. And just the simple thing of like sharing a meal with someone. And I think Jake talks about it a little bit, but there's something in in the book of Acts where it talks about um, breaking bread together. Yeah. There's something about um, just being with people Mm -hmm. that really gives you a chance to speak into their lives. Yeah. The trust there. Yeah. Yeah. And that's led you into your your next part of your journey. Yeah. Um, And so just seeing... Oh yeah, so let let me let me talk about when I was in Momba, you know, part of the thing they they said to us as sector managers, you need to find something for the people there to do to sustain themselves in ministry and mm. carry on and and like you could it, at that time sustain wasn't very well established, but like you can come up with beehives or whatever, but like come up with something that they can do to help them be okay. And man, Momba, it's seven hours from the closest city. Mm. There's no vehicles going out there. There's no there's no way to like move goods back and forth. Um, they don't even they don't even have like vegetables. And so I'm thinking like these people have nothing. Yeah. Like they're they're try there's a lot of them poach just to have anything to mm. eat. And I was like, man, what am I gonna these people have nothing. What am I gonna give them? And um the there's that verse in the Bible that says um, uh, that God has given us everything we need for life and godliness. And I just didn't see it. I was like, I don't know how this is true for these people. They have absolutely nothing, no electricity, no anything. And then um, 
I was a part of a farming God's conference that was with sustain. Mm -hmm. And as I begin to hear the, you know, the biblical principles and how actually God has made a way for them right where they're at. Cause I came in, I'm, I wasn't a fan of agriculture. I didn't care about <laughs> agriculture. I wanted to be out riding dirt bikes and preaching yeah. the gospel yeah. in remote villages. And, but then when you see it, like when you come face to face with it right, and you see right. people who are desperate and have nothing, mm -hmm. and then you find something that can completely change their lives, Beautiful. that can send their kids to school, that mm -hmm. can feed their families, that can, that, that actually is everything that they need for life, for like, for living and for godliness. And it gives them a greater revelation of how much God cares for them. Because going back to what I said earlier about Zambians not being introspective, you go to a Zambian in the middle of Momba who has nothing, and you say to them that God loves you. But his kids aren't able to go to school, and he's not able to feed his family. Yeah, that's a that's a difficult truth to swallow. Right. right. But if you go to that same person, you say God loves you so much that He's made a way to feed your family right where you are. He's made a way to send your kids to school right where you are, and He sent me to tell you about it. Mm -hmm. And and the interesting thing is, when we do these conferences, you'd yeah. think they would be stoked that they suddenly can feed their families and that they can suddenly send their kids to school. But that's not the testimonies we get back. Mm. They're like, I never knew that God loved me. He set my family free from drinking. He restored our marriages. He did this. And now we know that God really loves us. Oh, and also we can send our kids to school yeah, and we yeah. can feed our families. It's like a, almost like an afterthought. Right, right. Um, and so it was seeing – so it was two things. Seeing uh, Kebby – and seeing his potential fulfilled yeah. in in sector management and seeing how he was such an effective minister of the gospel. Someone you get someone in their own country who speaks the language and knows the culture, and they're filled with the Holy Holy Spirit, yeah. and they have an understanding of who they are in Christ, and they're unstoppable. Right, right. And I was like, okay, that's my that's my thing now. Okay. Like I, I love the adventure. I love <laughs> I love going to these remote places, riding dirt bikes through the bush, but giving people a revelation of who they are in Christ and totally changing their life mm -hmm. through the gospel. Because really, um, right. what I want to say about sustain is sustain is the gospel with its work boots on. I stole that from my wife. But the gospel affects every area of our life. Yeah, It, it should. Mm -hmm. And and sustain is just about how does the gospel affect your physical life. Okay. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, so then it took me to... Um, working in sustain and um, my goal being like, how can I raise up as many kebbies as I possibly can? Right. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So now you're in Batoka, mm -hmm. another base of ours. Uh, that's yeah. primarily focused on on those two things, raising up indigenous disciples. And it's kind of the heart of our sustain movement here in Zambia. Yeah. Yeah, so um, we're based in Joma Chiefdom, and Caristo uh, is actually the sector manager of Joma awesome. Chiefdom. He's that. another another local Zambian that's crushing it in yeah. sector management, and um, we're based there as kind of the hub for sustain and also uh, running OMT, which the whole goal is um, raising up indigenous leaders in Zambia um, to go out and be missionaries in their own country. So. OMT, for those who don't know, is our Overland Missions Training. So AMT is our international uh, school. I'm, I'm director of that one. 
here mm-hmm. in Zambia. Um, and we train people from all over the world to be missionaries outside of their home country to the rest of the world. Um, OMT is, is, is more localized AMT in a way where you're taking disciples from here in Zambia and training them up to be missionaries in Zambia. Yeah. Um, you are not a Zambian. <laughs> oh, s- still not quite. Yeah. Not quite. Yeah. And uh, <clears throat> so obviously, there, there, I know in my context, you know, we are we have a bunch of different cultures. Um, we run into all kinds of interesting situations and hmm. cultural barriers. Um, what are some things you've run into that surprised you and in the discipleship process that you've had to kind of learn from? Yeah, I think I think it was really helpful the first few years of. Um, being exposed to Zambian culture, like living in it, being mm. right there, it was actually um, it was actually kind of funny. Some of the it's it's interesting to see how like people from the city are so removed from what's happening in the villages. It's crazy. Like there are there are these um, ceremonies that they do in the villages. It's it's really rough. Um, basically, when girls reach maturity, mm. they dance topless for all of the men in the village. And they put up these flags and like, it's this big thing just mm. to like, kind of show off these available women. Terrible. And um, it happens in Momba quite frequently. You see the the flags up and some of these traditions are really just so old. And then we, we talked about this in culture class and some of our Zambians were like, that doesn't happen anymore. <laughs> like, no, I was like, I, I, I've seen people putting up the flags. I was invited to one. Yeah. I didn't go. Um, <laughs> and and so to see how the, even within Zambia, mm. like people aren't always aware of what's happening in some of these rural areas. Yeah. Um, and then also some of the classes that we've had to add because we've seen things come up. For example, you know, some of the stuff that we would, and I think it goes both ways. I mean, we don't teach bush cooking. Yeah, because that's, that's regular just, that's just cooking. cooking. Yeah, like cooking over a fire <laughs> it would be a very short class, and I don't think I could teach it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then culture class is kind of flipped on its head because we're talking about American culture. So to hear people so confused by the idea of individualism mm. and stuff like that. I mean, when I was in in Momba, if I didn't have my shoes on my feet, people would take them because we. Ju- I just lived in the community; they just belonged to the community. Yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, so the one the one thing that came up that was kind of interesting is we had a chat about like staying pure and like keeping yourself right. before marriage bef- for marriage and and stuff like that. And the Zamb- some of the Zambian guys were like, "How is that possible?" These aren't like brand new Christians. No, these are like people like normal Christians, and they they just didn't see how that was a thing. So we're like, "Oh man, we need to have a <laughs> we need to have like a relationship class. We need to right. talk about." what this looks like. And mm. um, that was that was definitely kind of eye-opening. And even learning some of the things that we... And I'm, I'm really grateful for our, our Zambian team that kind of opened our eyes to things and stuff that I thought I knew, because I've been on the ground for 10 years. Mm. And then I found out you're not supposed to ask people about their relationships. Mm. Like, that's super taboo. And so, like, I think even um, interacting with, um, with the, the guys on the ground, they're like... Yeah, you're not supposed to do that. So you know, like in America, like, oh, are you are you married? Are you single? That's completely inappropriate in Zambia. Fascinating. Yeah. <laughs> so I just, I just moved back here, so I'm, I'm figuring things out. Right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Um, so just some of the stuff that we learned in the process. And I think the one thing that was interesting to see that stayed the same was in, in, a in American culture, we're very loud mm-hmm. and good at sharing our opinions and that can cause drama. Um, whereas Zambians are very like people pleasing and try mm. to keep the peace and the amount of drama we had in our in our team like in our OMT it was kind of amazing to see but i really think that like it's almost like a pressure cooker like things Ooh. were just coming out of people i don't know if it, i think the holy spirit was just right revealing revealing yeah. stuff and i couldn't believe how much stuff happened in three and a half months in an OMT and originally we tried to we were going to do it for 7 months because <laughs> we tried to fit all of Dr. Leon's stuff yeah and that was a much. that was a lot. <laughs> um, and uh, I think it was good. Three and a half months is a good amount of time. And you, we initially we did it that long because we wanted to see people's flesh get tested. Right. right. But man, it just took a like within the first week, both OMTs that we've done because we've only done two. There was Ooh. so much drama, I couldn't believe it. It's crazy. Um, but then it's cool to see the the fruit of it. Mm. I mean, we've had people come in and very full of themselves, full of self-righteousness mm. and get a revelation of the new creation and suddenly they're a team player and they're the one washing the dishes and they're cool. the one willing to do anything. And then you have other people come in that have a pride issue out of insecurity because yeah. they don't think they're good enough. The and you yeah. and you just call it out like, hey, look, you're you're pretending. You're You're trying to put on a show and we can see it. And actually you are enough because... God has a plan for you and Jesus has has created you for a purpose and you are more than what you're trying to be right now. Mm-hmm. And then they just completely break in your office. And then it was really funny because the individual I'm talking about, the after we had this meeting, he gets up to speak at Revival Week. Mm. I was like, oh my gosh. Because every time before that when he would share – it was really bad. Yeah. And I'm just thinking like, oh no, one of our students is up there and what is he going to say? And he just begins to share from his heart of what God had done in his heart. Mm-hmm. And it was actually really beautiful. So, just see that transformation, all of the the messiness and the chaos of discipleship in, in those moments, it's just so worth it. Yeah. 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 It is. It is a beautiful mess. Yeah. I think a lot of people are afraid of discipleship because they're afraid of the mess. Mm. But man, Christ got in our mess, you know? Yeah. And so we got to get in other people's mess sometimes. Yeah. And I think it's it's like having kids. It's <laughs> yeah. a lot of mess. And then they're super cute sometimes. And mm. you're like, yeah, this was worth it. Yeah. <laughs> um, unfortunately, OMT students aren't nearly as cute as, as, yeah. as uh, our little our, our little kids. Babies, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I feel like one of the things in the mission world that's oftentimes misunderstood in the discipleship process and the ministry process is the, the process of philanthropy. Mm-hmm. Um, it becomes, you observe that people have a need and you try to fulfill it, but it becomes the, the fulfilling of the need is more important than the transformation of the person mm-hmm. in a way, you know? Yeah. And I think understanding the culture and really diving in the way you have um, unlocks so much more than just fulfilling the, the, the obvious need of the people. Yeah. 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 I think um, having, like Paul said, I became all things 
to all men so that by all means I might reach some. Right. And you look at how he did it in the Bible, like when he went to that temple and he saw the statue to the unknown God, he said, boom, there's the key. Right. This is the key to reach these people. And as he began to share, the people were like, you're right. That is that is it. And you, Jesus did it with parables mm. repeatedly. To the fishermen, he talked about fishing. To the farmers, he talked about sowing and reaping. Right. Like, um, you see it all throughout the Gospels that he he used where people were at to give them a greater revelation of spiritual truths. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's the the ultimate goal is to meet people where they're at. And so, if if you're in a culture where ninety percent of the people are farmers, yeah, sustenance farmers, sub- subsistence farmers, yeah. but you're not willing to to do that to mm-hmm. learn about farming, then maybe you're not <laughs> doing the right thing. Yeah. And if if you're if ninety percent of the people that you're speaking to are fishermen, learn how to fish. If right. they're if they're small business owners, learn learn what they're passionate about, mm-hmm. so that you can use that to to reveal the spiritual truths. Because I can take the principles that we teach in Farming God's Way, right. and I can apply it to anything. Mm. I mean, um, acknowledge God and God alone. You. That's that's universal. Yeah. Sowing and reaping, universal. That's it's spiritual truths because you know, in in our life we are governed by spiritual truths. Correct. God set right. this world into motion through spiritual truths, through His Word, through yeah. His His spoken word. And so, um, what we're we're coming in with is we're coming in with the gospel. But how does it apply to our everyday lives? Yeah. So instead of trying to conform our message to the world, we're conforming the world. To the message. Mm. Um, and it's been really amazing to see the impact that it has in communities because, you know, we all have limitations yeah. depending on who we are and where we are. Mm-hmm. If I go back to America, I'm just a 33 year old, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but if I'm a president or a governor or have some elevated position, I have a little bit more authority to speak in right. to people's lives. So in Zambia, you have some things that as a Zambian, missionary, there's some setbacks that you have. Mm. So, um, and I'm just going to say it, it's it's race, it's gender, it's age, and it's level of education. Yeah. And it's also your position. If you have a, a lofty position, right. like you're a... Or a doministic culture. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, if you're a, a young... If you're, if you're white, you automatically have a voice in Zambia. Right. Um, unfortunately, because they look at white people as educated, mm-hmm. but we we know that the black Zambians have just as much of a voice Absolutely. as as we do. Mm-hmm. But if you're and if you're young, older people are much more respected, so they have a lot more of a voice. Educated people, if you have a college degree or if you finish high school, and then if you have um, the uh, uh, women are very mistreated and looked down upon in Zambia, where men are kind of put into a higher position here. Mm -hmm. And um, so, if you're a young, uneducated female Zambian, you're going to have a hard time ministering in Zambia, because you have all of these setbacks that the culture has put on you. But with uh, some of our um, female missionaries have gone by themselves to minister in areas and spoken, speaking to headmen and and uh, the teachers and and government officials. And we had one training where um, two of our young Zambian leaders went and did a training, and 
when they first showed up, everyone was disappointed. They were like, where are the Makuas? Uh, white people, yeah. Yeah. Or the white people, yeah. Like, where are the Makuas? Where are the white people? Where are the big teachers? Yeah. And by the time they were finished teaching, they were like, when you first came, we wondered where the Makuas were. And now we see that you are the Makuas. Like, you are the people who have the knowledge. Yeah, for sure. Our, our young 20-year-old Zambians are meeting with chiefs. And, yeah. you know, they're going in because... They they have a knowledge of agriculture, and so the chiefs want to hear about it. Mm-hmm. But then they're speaking with the authority that they they know who they are in Christ, right. and their their message carries authority. And it's been amazing to see our twenty two year old Zambian missionaries in front of headmen speaking with authority and conviction, and the the headmen hanging their heads in shame and giving their lives to Christ. Come on. So I think by allowing yourself. And and you know like I think pride plays plays a role sometimes. There have been times when I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to do that. I don't I don't need to learn farming because just to be a missionary. But if I humble myself and say, hey, if this is the key right. to this nation, I'm going to learn it. Mm-hmm. I don't care what it is. If this is the key that God has to unlock people's hearts for the gospel, I'm going to do it. Yeah, come on. Yeah, love it. Yeah, Dude, it's awesome. Keep going. Keep going strong. I love what's happening up there. Yeah. Yeah. I love when I'm able to go out and, and send my AMT guys out with the guys that have been trained to OMT because it's just next level. You know, <laughs> my last AMT we went out with Cristo and yeah, it was beautiful, beautiful. I think you you pair the guys with like you get a couple of young, new on the mission field, ready to go and excited. And pair like you you pair them together as Zambian guy, American guy, and they're both just young, on fire, ready to go, ready to ready to put into practice the thing they've. They've been learning in class for three months. Mm-hmm. It's it's a pretty cool combination. Love it. It's beautiful, man. Keep yeah. going. We love all of our. I'm hoping to have Gertrude on here someday. Yeah, we yeah. can make it happen. Yeah, let's make that happen. Yeah. She is a fireball of the Holy Ghost and the co-leader of Sustain here yes. with you in yeah. Zambia. Um, well, you talk about young female, uneducated. Yeah, crushing it, crushing it. I mean, and and she's had invitations to speak at high schools. As a young, uneducated Zambian, yeah, and I don't even want to say uneducated because she's, she's like such a wealth of knowledge right, from right. five or six, seven, eight and years with eyes, yeah. Gertrude uh, or with uh, Cheryl. Yeah. So, um, yeah, she's awesome. We're really lucky to have her. Good man, awesome. Everybody, check out our Sustain Project and yeah, support people through IMT. I love it. Oh man, appreciate having you on. And yeah, thanks for having me. See you soon, man. See you soon. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Gospel of Grit. All of us here at Overland Missions would like you to know that we believe in you, that there's a place for you in our organization. Your first step towards changing nations is to visit overlandmissions.com. 